Book the Third, Chapter Fourteen of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Libera, translated by Robert Southey. Book Three, Chapter Fourteen. How Queen Sadamira sent to Don Florestan, requesting that, since he had left her knights in such plight, he would be her guard to Miraflores, whither she was going, to speak with Oriana, and of what passed there. Well pleased with Queen Sardamira to hear how the emperor had been vanquished by Amadis, because that journey which El Patin made to Great Britain was for her love, as he at that time loved her much, and she laughed to think how he had concealed this adventure. Lady, said Gromadin, tell me what message you will send to Don Florestan. She, after pondering a while, replied, You see in what plight my knights are left. They can neither protect me nor themselves, and must stay here to recover. I would wish Don Florestan, therefore, to guard me with you. Grumadin answered, I tell you, lady, that so courteous is he, that whatever dame or damsel should ask of him, that would he do. How much more for one like you, to whom he hath to make atonement for a fault? Give me then a guard to guide my damsel. He gave her four squires, and she, giving a letter of credence to her damsel, told her secretly what she should say. The damsel mounted her palfrey, and rode more than a pace till she reached the round chapel, where she found Florestan talking with the hermit. Her face was uncovered so that the knight knew her, and welcomed her courteously. She gave him the letter, and said, The queen hath bade me say that you have left her knights in such plight that they are unable to guard her, and therefore, as this hindrance comes from you, she requests you to guard her to Miraflores, whither she goes to see Oriana. I thank you, lady, replied Florestan, for thus commanding me. We will go from hence, so as to reach her tent by daybreak. Well was the damsel pleased with the gentle demeanour of Florestan, for he was comely and debonair, and in all things such as beseemed one of such high degree. So there they took their supper together, and the damsel was lodged that night in the hermitage, and Florestan slept under the trees with his squires, and soundly did he rest after the fatigue of the day. When it was time, his squires awakened him, and they and the damsel accompanied him to the tent, where they arrived full early. She went straight to the queen, and Florestan, to Grumadin's tent, who was preparing to hear mass, and he, seeing Florestan, embraced him joyfully. The queen, said he, desires you for her guard, and methinks she has made no bad bargain in losing her own knights and gaining you in their stead. In truth, replied Florestan, I am right glad to serve her, and the more so since it will be in your company, whom I had not seen so long. God knows, replied the old knight, how I rejoice to see you. What have you done with the shields which you won? I have sent them to the firm island that your friend, Don Gandales, may hang them where they may be seen by all comers, and where the Romans may seek them, if they are disposed to recover them. In that case, said Grumadan, the island will soon be well stored with their shields and arms. They now came to the queen's tent. Florestan would have kissed her hand, but she laid it on the sleeve of his mail to show how gladly she welcomed him. 
Don Grumedan then sent the wounded knights to the nearest town that they might be healed of their wounds. This done, Queen Sadamira mounted her palfrey, which was as white as snow. The saddle and trappings were all wrought with gold. She herself was most richly habited, and about her neck wore pearls and jewels of great value, which were the more set off by her own exceeding beauty. Florestan took her bridle, and then she and her company went their way toward Miraflores. Now I say unto you that Oriana greatly grieved at her coming, knowing for what purpose she was coming. Yet did she rejoice that Florestan was coming also, that she might inquire of Amadis from him, and complain to him of the king, her father. But disturbed as she was, she ordered the house to be made ready, and rich estrados prepared for the guests, and she apparelled herself in her best attire, and so also did Mabilia and her other damsels. When the queen entered, she came in between Florestan and Don Grumedan, and Oriana liked her well, and thought that she should have been full glad to welcome her, had she come thither on other errand. Sadamira would have kissed her hand. Nay, said Oriana, you are a queen, and I but a poor damsel, who am suffering for my sins. Midbelia and the damsels then saluted her with great pleasure, as being a queen, but that did not Oriana, who could show no sign of pleasure since the Romans had arrived, but she did welcome Florestan and Grumedan from her heart. They then all seated themselves upon one estrado, and Oriana, having placed the two knights before her, after she had spoken a while with the queen, turned to Florestan and said, "'Good friend, long is it since I have seen you, and that grieved me, for I loved you much, as do all who know you.' Great is the loss which we in Great Britain feel by the absence of you and Amadis and your friends who used to redress all wrongs, and cursed be they who were the cause of driving you from my father. If ye were here now as formerly, a poor wretch who expects to be disherited and brought to the point of death might have some hope of help, for ye would defend her as ye have done, for ye never forsook the helpless in their need." but such is her fortune, that all have failed her except death. And then she wept bitterly, having two thoughts in her mind, the one that if her father gave her up to the Romans, she could cast herself into the sea. The other was the want of Amadis, which she remembered more lively because of the likeness which Florestan bore to him. Florestan well understood that she spake of herself. My good lady, said he, god in his mercy will relieve great sorrows and do you trust in him as for my brother amadis if his aid be wanted here there are others who experience it elsewhere for trust me he is well and at his own free call and is going about redressing wrongs as the one whom god hath gifted above all others in the world queen sardamira hearing this exclaimed god keep amadis from falling into the hands of the emperor who hates him mortally there is no other knight in the world whom he regards with such deadly hatred, except it be one, who abode some time at the court of King Tafinor of Bohemia, and slew in battle Don Garadan, the best knight, except Salustan Quidio, of all his lineage. She then related how that battle had passed, and in what manner the kingdom of Bohemia was by him delivered from El Patin's claim. Florestan said, Know you the name of the knight who achieved all this so greatly to his honour? They call him the knight of the green sword, or of the dwarf. 
not that these were believed to be his true names, but because of the green scabbard and belt of his sword, and of a dwarf, who, though he had another squire in his company, never leaves him. When Florestan heard this he mused a while, resolving to go seek him, so soon as this business was over, for he doubted not that this knight was his brother Amadis. Oriana knew this also, and was dying to speak with Mabilia. She said therefore to Sardamira, "'You come from far, lady, and must need rest,' and then she led her to her apartments, which were full pleasant with trees and fountains. So having left her there, she retired with Mabilia and the damsel of Denmark, and told them she had verily believed that the knight of whom Queen Sardamira had spoken was Amadis. They answered that they believed so also. "'And now,' said Mabilia, "'the dream is out which I dreamt this night, for methought we were all fastened in a chamber, and there arose a great uproar without which put us in fear, and your knight burst the doors and called aloud for you, and I showed him where you were lying upon an estrado, and he took us by the hand and carried us away, and placed us in a tower marvellously strong, and said, Remain here and fear nothing. With that I awoke, and this hath encouraged my heart, and he will succour you. At this Oriana was rejoiced, and she threw her arms round her friend, the tears running down her fair cheeks. Amabilia, my good lady and true friend, how do you comfort me? God grant that your dream may come to pass, or if this be not his will, that Amadis may come, and we may die together, neither surviving the other. Think not thus, replied Mabilia, for God who hath so prospered him in the affairs of others will not forsake him in his own. But do you speak with Florestan, and beg him and his friends to endeavour, that you may not be carried away from this country, and let this request him of Don Galior in his own name and in yours. But I must tell you that Don Galior, though no one had so counselled him, was resolved so to advise the king, and you shall hear how it fell out. Lizuade had been hunting, and when their sport was done, as he was leading the king's palfrey along a valley, he let the rest pass and called to Galior, and said to him, My good friend and loyal servant, I never yet asked your counsel that good did not come of it. You know the great power of the emperor of Rome, who has sent to ask my daughter for his empress. Wherein I see two things greatly to my advantage— the one that I shall wed my daughter so honourably, and have that emperor to assist me whenever need shall be, the other that my daughter, Leonorita, will remain heiress of Great Britain, and upon this matter I wish to consult with my good men whom I have called together for that end. Meantime, now we are thus alone, do deliver to me your opinion, for I well know you will advise me to my good. Galior remained thoughtful for a while, and then replied, Sir, I am not so used to these things that I should advise you. I pray you hold me excused. Nay, tell me your opinion, Galior, or you will offend me, and I shall be greatly grieved thereat, never having received aught from you but pleasure and good service. Since you will put my weakness to the proof, I must say that if you think by this marriage to place your daughter honourably and in greater power, it will be quite otherwise than you think. For she, being the heiress of this land, you cannot do her greater wrong than to deprive her of that inheritance, and deliver her to the subjection of a stranger. For she will have no rule in that strange land, 
and allowing that she could attain that which is the utmost in such cases, that she should have sons and see them married, then will her state be worse than before, seeing another made empress. But as to what you say that he will help you in your need, considering your high rank and power, it would be shame to think that you could ever need his help. More likely is it, by what all say of his arrogance, you should for his sake incur great danger and waste of treasure without profit. But the worst is that doing service to him you must become subject, and as such be recorded for ever in his books and chronicles, and this, sir, I hold to be the worst dishonour that could befall you, that you would make your daughter, Leonoretta, heiress of Great Britain, is a still worse error, and so it is that many errors proceed from one, that you would dispossess such a daughter to endow another, who has no right to her inheritance. God forbid that I should counsel such a thing, not only when your daughter is concerned, but were it the poorest woman in the world. I say this for the faith I owe to God, to you, to my own soul, and to your daughter, for being your vassal I hold her as my liege lady. To-morrow I must set out for Gaul, because the king my father has sent for me. I know not for what cause, if it please, I will give you this. My opinion in my own handwriting, that you may show all your good men what I have said, and if there is any knight who gainsays me, I will do battle with him upon that point, and make him confess it to be true. The king was little pleased at this. Don Galliar said, Since you must go, leave me this writing. This he asked, with no design to produce it, unless there should be great need. So the next day Galliar left this writing with the king, and took his leave, and departed for Gaul. Now it was his wish to prevent the marriage, because it was not for the king's honour, and because he suspected the love of Amadis and Odiana. And when he found the king was determined upon it, he wished to be absent. But Odiana knew nothing of this, and therefore besought Florestan to request Don Galliar's aid. Thus as you have heard, that day passed at Miraflores. Greatly was Queen Sardamira pleased with Oriana, and much did she marvel at her exceeding beauty, albeit it was impaired by long sorrow and the dread of this marriage. Nor would the queen speak at first concerning the emperor, but rather of such news as pleased her. But when on another day she did speak on that subject, she received such answers from Oriana that she never dared renew it. When Odiana knew Florestan was about to depart, she led him under some trees, where there was an estrado placed, and making him sit before her, she covertly explained to him her will. Her father, she said, wished to disinherit her, and send her into a strange land, and she besought him to pity her, for she expected nothing but death. She therefore besought not only him whom she loved so well, and in whom she had confidence, but she complained to all the nobles of the realm, and to all errant knights, and she called upon them to pity her, and change her father's purpose. "'And do you, my good friend Don Florestan,' said she, "'counsel him thus, and make him sensible of the great cruelty and wrong which he would do me?' Florestan answered, "'Good lady, believe you, that I will serve you with the same earnest desire as I would serve the king my father.' But I cannot say this to King Lisuarte, because I am not his vassal, nor would he have me in his counsel, knowing that I hate him for the wrong which he hath done to me and to my lineage. 
what services i and my father have since done him was for the love we bore to amadis and because if this land had then been lost the lost would have been yours whom my father esteems as one of the best princesses in the world and if he knew your wrongs believe me lady that he and all his friends would make ready to redress them which he would do for the poorest woman living do you therefore good lady take good hope for yet if it please god i trust to bring you help i will not rest till i arrive at the firm island there i shall find agrias who greatly desires to serve you because you were brought up by his parents and we will consider together what may be done are you certain that agrias is there cried odiana don grumedin told me so to whom he had sent a squire god be praised salute him dearly from me and tell him i have in him that true hope which reasonably i ought to have and if meantime he know any tidings of your brother amadis let him send me the news that i may tell them to his cousin mabilia who is dying for want of him and god direct you and grant that you and agrias may come to some good result for my succour florestan then kissed her hand and departed End of chapter 14 Recording by Amy Graymore of Maine AmysMindToYourMind.com